0: Okay, the second attribute that we were supposed to talk about was lordship. What do we mean by lordship? In Arabic, it's al What does it mean? al basically means taking care of. A rab in Arabic is the person who takes care of, who is in charge of. So al Bayt, Rabbul Amal is the person in charge of the one who manages, the one who directs, the one who brings up, or upbrings, or takes care of. If we understand what we said so far, we said that there's only one entity that has existence and that has sufficiency, and everything else has neediness. Neediness in every dimension. What we talked about, what we concentrated on right now, was existence. So if I talk about my relationship to Allah subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as needing existence from him, I talk about Khaliqi, about his creatorship. Now, if I talk about my neediness for Allah subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in everything else, that I need His attention, that I need His care, that I need His management of my affairs, I'm talking about ربوبية. So rabb the Lord, Lordship, is a reference to my neediness and the attributes that responds to my neediness in all the other affairs of my life. Okay? So apart from existence. Apart from existence. So if that attribute can then be derived into many other attributes, so all of my affairs apart from existence fall under Rububi. Makes sense. So if I need food, I need health, I need money, I need, I need, I need, I need, not only the things but the management of those affairs, of those things. That's all from Allah. The way, the time at which I was born, the kind of family that I was born into, all the circumstances that happened to me every instant of every day in my entire life, this all falls under rububiyah. This is the management of my affairs, the management of all the factors contributing to my life things that i understand and that i see and that i comprehend fully and things that i don't all of it is under rububiyyah so when you're praying to allah subhanahu ta'ala in a dua that has ya rab this is what you're referring to when the holy quran says rabbana that's what it's referring to it's the lordship you're focusing on the neediness for the management of your affairs yes was there a question? Yes. Yeah, yeah. To go back to creation. Yes. He um, said we have we, we have the neediness for existence, right? And he has to keep maintaining us for that. So does that mean he's constantly creating? Us yes. As well. Yes. خلق من بعد khalk. Yes. Sounds tiny. A creation upon a creation. Yeah. All the time. Okay. Okay, now let's go back to lordship. Two types of lordship. Before that, a quick premise, and then two types of lordship. When we look, okay, I'm going to talk very superficially here, okay? Hata we go a little bit faster, but you guys keep coming with questions, so we can't go as fast as I'm hoping. When we look at everything in the world, except us, Okay, that's why I'm saying it's superficial. Now, we can, of course, discuss and argue about this point I'm going to make for two hours. But at a simple level, as far as we know, and the majority of human beings agree, we're the only creatures with as much free will as we know we have. Okay? So let's put humans, and if you guys want to argue about other creatures having free will, let's put them with humans for a second aside. Okay? Let's look at everything else. Everything in existence... That doesn't have free will, okay? That's not the point. I'm just trying to simplify the argument. Everything that we know in existence has a need for all of its affairs to be managed. Otherwise, it would not be able to live, to exist in that way. It would have existence, but it wouldn't have a type of existence that is suitable for it and its circumstances. Free will or not. There's no free will Just forget about free will now Okay Like for the sun to be the sun There's a million factors that have come That have to come into play For the moon to be the moon For the solar system For your body And every single heartbeat And the way you breathe And all your involuntary stuff happening inside your body Okay And this is happening All the time Everywhere All of that is being managed The world is functioning like it's supposed to Right? Everything in the world is functioning like it's supposed to. That's lordship. That's rububiyyah. That's the management of the affairs of the world. Every second. Right? Except creatures that have free will. In the window in which they were given free will, because they haven't been given complete free will, you don't decide when and how your heart beats and when and how your stomach works and when and how your blood circulates in your body or all the biochemical reactions happening in your synapses and your neurons at every second, billions of them happening throughout your days and your in your life, right? That's all the involuntary stuff that's happening in your body as we speak. But you also know that you do have a free will in a little window of things that you can decide about and manage your own affairs in your life. You can decide to do this or not do this, do that or not do that. Okay? We agree on that part. If we look at the entire universe, the only things that are not doing what they're supposed to be doing all the time are those entities that have free will and deciding, choosing whether, what to do with that free will. We agree on this? Simple enough? Clear enough? Here, we have to go back to another notion, the notion of guidance. If we agree that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate creator, if we agree that He is the ultimate cause, and that He created the world in a specific way, Then, this is another attribute that we're not going to discuss, so I'm going very quickly over it. The attribute of guidance. We would expect that kind of cause, of that kind of creator, to give guidance to his creatures. So all the creatures that don't have free will, they've been given guidance. And if you look at the way they work, they function, you see that they work perfectly fine. They're fully guided. And they're fully obedient to that guidance. And you see that in the verses of the Qur'an. It's very clear. And you see that in your own life. Right? When the Qur'an talks about the sun and the moon, The sun does what it's supposed to. The qamar does what it's supposed to. Each one of them knows the path they're supposed to follow. And none of them is going to ever deviate. And so on and so forth. Right? This is one example among millions. The only exception is what? Creatures with free will, so for our purposes, human beings. And not even in everything. In fact, for the majority of your life and all your dimensions, it's guided, and the guidance is working, and it's obedient. Your heart does what it's supposed to, your brain does what it's supposed to, your stomach does what it's supposed to, but for the place where you do have free will, this is where we have issues. Is it because there's no guidance? No. So here, we have to have a distinction between two types of lordship. We're talking about rububiyah here, right? It's not that there is no lordship. It's not that there is no rububiyah. It's that there are two types of rububiyah. One of them is the one we call existential rububiyah, existential lordship. And the other one is legislative. One way Allah exercises that lordship is through creation itself, existence itself. Right? So the laws that the sun and the moon are following, they're built in. The laws that the animals are following, they're built into them. Their instincts are a lot higher, they have much less free will or no free will at all. You look at the plant world, you look at the chemical reactions, biochemical, biological, physical, throughout the universe. All of that is built in. For the part that you have free will, instead of building it into you, so in other words, you're forced to do it, because that would defeat the purpose. You have free will and External guidance telling you what you're supposed to be doing, and the reality is, you're supposed to be following those instructions like the sun follows its instructions, and your heart follows instructions. That's if you accept that lordship fully. So, the second type of lordship is uh... legislative, it's laws, it's religion. It, It gives you like the it tells you what the to Lord do. The like, Lord gives you the ways of doing things. And the free will. And the free will, and the free will and you to, have to see are you going to do or not do. Explaining to you what it means if you do, what it means that you don't do. Explaining to you that you recognize the Lordship and you do out of free will or you don't. So... Just like coming from an atheist point of view, would would it be not seen as a friend? Seeing the consequences, as in, if you don't do these type of things, you're gonna go to hellfire, right? So that's not really a free will because there's so much consequences to it. So it's like you're forced to go on the right path. Mm -hmm. But then, on a Muslim perspective, would it be uh, deeper than the hellfire? Would it be that you're? You pers- uh, shifting away from the path, from the right path, and distancing from God is as, a, as being in hell? Or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but there's, I think we have to distinguish. The free will does not necessarily mean that there are no consequences. Yeah, but what, what I'm trying to say is like... That there is a consequence does not remove the free will. You have a free will to eat whatever you want. But you know that if you eat this and this and that in a certain sequence over a certain period of time, you're going to be diabetic or you're going to die of a heart attack within three years, right? You're free, but there's a consequence. You have to decide that I want to, I want to be disciplined. I want to live a healthy long life or not, but I have in both cases, I'm free to do it. I'm not being imposed on, no one is forcing me to, I make a choice because I understand how the world works. So that's what we mean by free will. You have the free will to do as you please and walk right into hell or walk right into heaven. In that sense, yeah, that's free will. That's the first point. The second point is even from an Islamic perspective, it's not necessarily that you're a Muslim or non-Muslim that you're gonna go in that interpretation i think that's more your spiritual maturity and your let's say intellectual capacity that is going to make you think i'm doing this because of hell or because of heaven or because it's the right path and the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do the more i think and that was the last point the last uh the last attribute i wanted to talk about but i think i'm going to stop here the last attribute was supposed to be about the divinity of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la, which means that he is worthy of being worshipped if you really understand everything we said the more you understand these attributes the more the worship should come naturally you understand what kind of entity you are and what kind of entity Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la is and what he has given you and what he is giving you every instant your relationship with that kind of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala may change to the point where you say, even if there is no heaven and hell, because I understand what kind of entity I am, and because I understand what kind of entity he is, I cannot not worship. How could I not worship? There is no way for me not to worship this entity. That did not have to create me. What, what am I? Hatta he creates me. I'm nothing. There's no owing anything, he doesn't need to create me, he doesn't get anything out of it He gave me everything he did and he created me in this kind of world And all I have to do is to follow these few instructions Even if he didn't give me those instructions, I should be following them Because at the end, I'm the one who benefits from them And, and, and The more we understand this I think yes, if, if you are a very educated Muslim then yes, I think you're going to go towards, you should do it just because. And this is where you see, for instance, Imam Ali who says, I didn't worship you out of fear of hellfire or or your fire. And I didn't worship you because I've been seduced by your heaven. But I worshipped you because I saw that you are worthy of my worship. So I worshipped you. But the majority of people, the majority of human beings, you may have states like this but the majority of the time we're very materialistic creatures. Unless you're in that moment where you're being reminded of it and you understand what that truly means, the majority of the time we're looking for almost physical, material, you know, things that we feel and see. There's a harm, we avoid it. There's a, a pleasure and a happiness, we go towards it. And that's it. That's how we live. So religion talks to people like us in that way. And people who can raise themselves Above heaven and hell and think about things like and that entity that you now understand, you may reach a point where he is happy with you. What are you hattah he's happy with you? If you go back to what Aristotle was saying, he's saying he is happy with you. And so you get his satisfaction. Like, right, the Quran says, وَرَضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ That everything they get in heaven and on top of it and greater than all of this is the satisfaction of Allah. And that's what they're looking for. But the person who's not looking for that, what they want from heaven is, you know, drinking the wine and the honey and the the milk and, you know, being in in heaven. What heaven? Okay, at that level of those creatures who don't understand, the, the, the scholars of Akhlaq, they always say, and I think all of you will understand what they're saying. They say, the adult knows pleasures that the child will never understand. In the mind of the child, the pleasures of life are like candies and playing. Of course there are pleasures so much greater than that. You can get a lot more pleasure out of them than the candy he's eating or the pleasure he he gets out of playing with the toy. Okay, so the scholars who know knowledge They talk to people who don't have that knowledge as You have a pleasure that the commoners will never know How else do I explain it to you? And the person who has the spiritual purification And they're looking for that kind of relationship with Allah They have pleasures that even those with the knowledge don't understand You've tasted something that other people can not even start imagining Not that they've seen a glimpse of it or tasted, you got nothing so of course this person is going to be working in a very different way. And this doesn't come out of the blue. They worked very hard to get there. So they're rewarded with something that keeps them going at that level. Okay, so I think I'm going to stop here. It's very late. I thank you all.